Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today we are going to study the book of Daniel, that is Daniel chapter 5. We just finished in chapter 4 the story of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was prominent and important king of Babylon for many reasons, and he kind of represented the height of the power of the Babylonian Empire. He was also, of course, the one who destroyed the Judean kingdom. He was the one who destroyed the temple. But then he was also the one who elevated Daniel Daniel and his friends, Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah, into high positions in the government, respected Daniel, and eventually, at the end of chapter 4, we learned how he, after having a, some sort of psychotic break, and living among the wild animals, he finally learned to be humble before God and recognize that God is the one who controls history, that God is the one who gives and decides who has power, that God is the only one to whom praise and glory is worthy and not to human beings. And that uh, he finally learned that humility. After leaving Nebuchadnezzar, um, we go on to a different period of time, and of, earlier on, at the end of the chapter 1, we learned that Daniel remained a principal advisor to the kings of Babylon, and then after Babylon was conquered by Persia, even to the kings of Persia, Daniel remained very well respected as a wise and, and intelligent and humble uh, um, advisor and leader. So um, we now go to a completely different time in chapter 5 in the history of Babylon. Remember the stories of the book of Daniel and the book of Daniel itself was compiled several hundred years after the events that it is purporting to be discussing. So it's difficult to look at as a work of actual history. Um, not that the stories didn't happen, but a lot of times details don't seem to fit don't seem to go right, and they may not be exactly how it happened, when, to who. It was compiled several hundred years later, and according to Jewish tradition, the, by the Anshe Knesset Hagadola, which would have been several hundred years after these uh, events recorded. Um, and according to scholars also, it, would, it, uh, uh, they, it seems to be in, everyone in agreement with something similar to that tradition, that it would have been written in Second Temple times. So one of the later kings, the last king of the Babylonian kingdom was a king named Nabonides, or Nabunidos, or I don't know exactly how to say that in English, but he, um, it is known, took a 10-year vacation and left his, um, his uh, son, Belshazzar. Now don't confuse that with Belshazzar. Belshazzar with the T is... Daniel's Babylonian name, Belshazzar without the T, was left as the, as the king's regent or to be in place of the king, to rule the kingdom while Nabonides was gone. Nabonides was the king and, and eventually came back from his vacation and was eventually conquered by the Persians. Um, Belshazzar himself, it's unclear from books, from the historical record, what happened to him? We're going to see, um, uh, though, that he presided over a kingdom 
that was in serious decline, moral and ethical decline for sure. And Belshazzar, the image that we will get of him in chapter 5, is the image that's preserved in history of what kind of a person he was. So here he is acting as the king. So in this chapter, he will be referred to as the king, even though he was really the king's regent. So chapter 5, verse 1, Belshazzar Malka, Belshazzar the king, Avad Lchem Rav. He made a great, Lchem means bread, but a great bread, meaning a great banquet, Lerav Revanohi Alaf. For a thousand of his noblemen, and in the presence of these thousand people, he, the king, debased himself and just drank a lot of wine and got drunk in front of the whole crowd. This itself gives you the image of a king that has no self-respect and makes a giant party. And not only does he make this giant party, the party is... is um, uh, is is a party that shows no respect for for the gods of the people that the Babylon ruled over. Because he, they 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 uh, because what Belshazzar did, as you see in verse two, Belshazzar Amar b'teim chamra, and while he is drunk with wine, and and this word b'teim has been used in previous chapters to mean the decree of the king. But Belshazzar um, is b'te'em chamra. He is under the inf- rather than being a serious decree like we had in Nebuchadnezzar. The te'em chamra is the influence of the wine. In other words, while he's drunk, what does he say? He says, "Let's bring out all of the gold and silver that my father Nebuchadnezzar." Now Nebuchadnezzar was not the father of Belshazzar, but he was an ancestor. But it was common. And we find throughout the words of the prophets times when uh, the uh, 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 an ancestor is referred to as a father, that he took out of the temple in Jerusalem, the Ishton Bahon, and let's all drink together from those vessels, Malka, me, the king, the Ravarvonoi, and all of the thousand nobles, and all of his wives and concubines. The word to refer to wives is is extremely vulgar term. Shegla, shegel is the Aramaic word for sex, and it is deliberately chosen not to say wives, which would be a respectful way to refer to women, but his sexual companions and his concubines, meaning this party was full of drunkenness and hedonism and sexual promiscuity. And let's all come and drink from the wine and the and and from the uh, gold and silver vessels that we looted from the God's temple in Jerusalem. It's just uh, an extreme uh, sign of disrespect. And um, it reminds us, of course, of the great feast that the king Ahasuerus in the book of Esther had. Um, but uh, it's just uh, um, something that kind of brings those images to mind. Bedayan at that time, Hesiv they took out the golden vessels from the storage that the ones that they had been stolen from the God, God, God's house, God's temple in Jerusalem. And all of them drank from it again. It uses the same very 
um, um, vulgar terms, Shaglase, his sexual companions, and his his um, and his concubines. Ishtiv Hamra, they all drank wine together. Vishabahu le Elohe, and they praised the gods of Dava Vachaspa, the gods of gold and silver and Hosha. Parzla of Yavna of bronze and iron, wooden stone, meaning that they took, they abused the vessels that were used to honor the one and only true God, and then they, and in their drunkenness, they praised all of the other gods of gold and silver, the statues, the idols that are meaningless and mean nothing. This can also be interpreted as the gods of gold and silver, meaning making gold and praising, saying how this is the true God, wealth is the God, power, the strength of the iron, the wood, so on. In other words, worshipping the items themselves as opposed to worshipping God. Bashata at that time, while they're partying and drinking and involved in sexual activity and and so on, Nefako etzbaondiyadenosh, the hand of a man appeared, and just appeared, v'chosvon l'kovel nevrashta, and it started to write upon the um, the the plaster of the wall. Al gira di chesal malka on the wall of the king's palace, opposite where um, where the the lights were shining. Umalka chaze, and the king saw pasi The king was able to see this hand as it wrote something upon the wall. Edayin suddenly malka zivohi shenohi. Now he, he was in this drunken, happy spirit and and party mood, and all of a sudden he gets gets really serious. And his mind and his brain is now really scared and confused. And his the joints of his pelvis started to to get weak, and his feet are like knocking together in nervousness and shaking by seeing this. Incredibly um, a, a wondrous but scary sight. Kari Malka Bachaya, and the king called out really loud, He called out for all of his magicians and his Chaldean wise men and necromancers and whatever else. Oni Malka, and the king said out, to all of the wise men of Babylon. Is there any whoever can that can read this writing that was written? Explain to me what it means. I'll dress him up in purple, in other words, in royal clothing. And I will, he'll wear a golden chain around his neck. And he shall rule as, as, as third man in charge of the kingdom. So, like, it's just imagining this at a party. The king just seems so... Um, it's just, it's, I don't know, unprofessional, but I don't know what the right word is uh, uh, to describe. It's just, uh, just tell me what it says on the wall and you'll be the third in charge of the kingdom. And while they're all drunk and partying, um, he's just going to give give away the, uh, the rulership of the kingdom to someone who can read this random writing on the wall. Edayin Alin so at this time, therefore, they all came, they all came up, but they could not read what was written. And they could not tell the king what was written there. Why it is that they couldn't read it, 
is unclear. Um, um, we don't know why. I mean, we will find out soon what the words were. Um, maybe, maybe they did not know the alphabet. Maybe it was written in a different alphabet or something. But exactly why they couldn't read it is, is unclear. Uh, um, but they couldn't. However, now he's getting even more nervous, the king. And now all of the nobles and the people are getting all worried and nervous. And the entire mood of the party went from a, part, a big happy party to being a whole bunch of very nervous people. But the because of the the um the leves mishtayalath, the queen came to to see what's going on. Now the queen is now presented as the as the smart one, the one who had her wits with her, the one who wasn't drunk. All of the men and are partying and drunk and drinking and everything. She comes to the party and anas malkasan shvameres and she says. The king may he live forever. Don't don't be so worried. Don't be so nervous. Calm down. Relax. So we have the image of the queen as the only rational one, and she comes in and says, "Stop, stop! Don't be so nervous. Don't be worried. You know, Isai Givar. We already we've already learned. Daniel has interpreted two dreams so far, and he's done many smart things." We know there's a guy in the kingdom, the Ruach Elohim Kadish in Bay, who has the spirit of the holy gods within him. And in the days of your ancestor, Nuchadnezar, he he um uh his his enlightenment and his intelligence and his wisdom was like the wisdom of the gods was found within him and he was able to impart that wisdom to us and your ancestor the king made him the chief of all of the necromancers and magicians and 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 sorcerers and so on um, because we can see that uh, this great spirit, Umanda, and knowledge, and wisdom, he's able to interpret dreams, and he's able to, to explain riddles and puzzles and figure out what's going on, and he's able to, um, to figure, solve problems, Ishtachas baby Daniel, all of this is to be found in Daniel. Note that it's again Daniel is being praised for his abilities to understand, to be intelligent, to to solve puzzles, to solve problems, and that he has the spirit of God within him. Nowhere does it call him a miracle worker, and nowhere does it say that he actually speaks to God. Daniel is not being presented as a prophet, but he's being presented as a man of God with in whom wisdom resides the Malka Shum Shemei Belchatzar and that the king Nebuchadnezzar gave him the name Belchatzar Kaan Daniel let's just call Daniel and he will read it and he will tell us what it says so Beidayan at this point Daniel who Alka da Malka he was brought in front of the king and Ane Malka and the king announced Vamar le Daniel and he said to Daniel Antu Daniel Dimin Bene Galusa di Yehud are you the Daniel who was one of the exiles of Judea the Haisi Malka Avim in Yehud, that my ancestor Nebuchadnezzar, the king, brought back in captivity from the land of Judah. 
and we've heard about you, that the Spirit of Gods are with you, and, and, and illumination, illuminating um, wisdom and, and intelligence and extra, uh, um, extra, or extraordinary intelligence is, is found with you. Now all of the wise men that came in front of me that um that uh uh, uh that that I they, they tried to re- attempted to read this and tell me what it means they weren't able to tell me what this means what this writing means but I've heard about you he's that that you are able to solve these puzzles, and you can you can find answers to puzzles, and you can solve riddles and problems. So now, if you can go ahead and read this, and you can tell me what it means, I will give you purple robes. I will give you a golden chain. And I'll make you the third in charge of the kingdom. As if Daniel actually wanted these things. But standing in front of the king, obviously Daniel knew that it wasn't really a choice. He needed to give the answer because if he didn't, we all know what kings would do. So Beidayan, at this point, this is verse 17, Onay Daniel, Daniel answered, V'yomar Kodamalka, you can keep your gifts for yourself. I don't need no purple robes. I don't need no fancy gold necklaces. And I don't need to be the third in charge of the kingdom. Especially since Daniel saw the, the base level to which the kingdom had sunk under the leadership of this Belshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar, who brought Babylon to such glory, Belshazzar brought it to the verge of, dis- of destruction. The image being painted here of a of a of a great empire about to be destroyed, and and about to be destroyed because it sunk to the level where their gods were the gods of of hedonism and money and gold and silver and strength and power and so on. This is the image of a kingdom that's about to collapse. And as we know, obviously in retrospect, that it did collapse right after Belshazzar had brought it down to this low level I'm continuing to read in verse 17 and you can go ahead and give all of that stuff that you, those presents you can give it to somebody else however no problem I'll tell you what it says and I'll explain to you what it means the king the Most High, I'm giving you a message, Mr. King. The great one and Most High God, the real God, the one God, He gave king, the kingdom to Nebuchadnezzar, your forefather. And because of the greatness that God gave and bestowed upon Nebuchadnezzar, your ancestor, all the nations of every language and culture over which Babylon ruled, learned about the true God. This is referring back to what we saw in the chapters. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had written a letter to all of the people of the kingdom about the wisdom and the greatness of the one true God. 
And Nebuchadnezzar understood that because he learned that humility. And he, people feared him because, and if he commanded someone to death, he would get killed. And if he would want to let someone live, he would let someone live. Nebuchadnezzar was a real king with real power. And if he wanted to raise someone and give them a high position, that would do. And if he wanted to lower someone, he would lower someone. However, but when your forefather Nebuchadnezzar, when he became haughty and he gave himself the credit and he thought that he was the respo- responsible for all of his greatness, and he and his spirit became strong to do um, to do whatever he wanted. He was cut off from his kingdom, and his glory was removed. He was taken down from his high position. And he was, he was taken away from humanity, and he wandered. And his heart became like the, the, the heart and soul of an animal. And he lived among the 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 donkeys and he ate grass like cows and he got moisture from the dew of the heavens until he finally learned the lesson that it is God who rules it is God the great God who rules over the kingdoms of men and it's, it is God who is the one who decides who is up and who is down but you, his descendant, you have not humbled yourself. Even though you knew this history, you knew what happened to your ancestor. Your ancestor didn't have warning, but you knew this story. You knew exactly what happened. But instead, look at you. You're drunk. You lead the people in this in hedonism. You you shame. You're a shame and you're an embarrassment to your grandfather who learned that lesson. You make yourself out as if you're bigger than God himself. And to the vessels of the house of God, you brought in front of you, and you together with your noblemen, and your sexual companions, and your concubines, you drink wine from those those vessels, and you're worshiping silver and gold and bronze and and iron and wood and stone. These are things that they don't have any. They don't. They're just inanimate objects. These are nothing. You think they have value, but they're nothing. They can't see. They cannot hear. They don't even know when you praise them. You say this is beautiful gold, but the gold itself doesn't even know what you're saying to it. But to the God whose soul is actually, to whom your soul actually belongs, and in your entire lives, every path of your life is actually controlled. And by him, you had no, to him you don't give any glory. Therefore, that's why. That's why he sent this hand, and that's why he wrote this message. And this is what the message says. I'm up to verse 25. This is the message. The words themselves have 
could have several meanings. But mene, a mana, is a coin, a large coin, like a hundred, hundred shekels. Tekel is the Aramaic word for a shekel, which is a coin, like a dollar. Parsin means bits and pieces. So mene, mene means a lot of money, a lot of money, a little bit of money, and then bits and pieces. But what does this mean when it writes that? Dene fishar milsa, 26. This is what the words mean to say. Mene, meaning, mene also means to count. So, mene refers to mena elohama chusach v'hashlama. God has counted your days and decided that they are over. Tekel, which means a shekel, which is a denomination of money, but it could also mean to take. Tekel means to kilta. Oh, I'm sorry, shekel means, is, is a weight. And that's why the word shekel, which means a coin, because it's equal to a certain amount of weight of metal. So tekel is tekilta bimoznaya vishtakachta chasir. You were weighed in, the, in God's uh, scales and you were found to be missing. You don't even have enough to be a shekel. You were found that you're not worth anything. Pires, the pieces, prisasmachusach, your kingdom is going to be cut apart. Vihivat lemadaya paras, and it will be given over to the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians were closely related, and they made up what became the Persian Empire, which did conquer this land of Babylon shortly after the reign of Belshazzar Bedayan. At that point, Omar Belshazzar, Vilbishul Daniel Agavana Belshazzar, did give Daniel the purple robe, Vihamenicha Didaval Tzavare, and he did put the golden necklace around his neck, and he gave him the position. So even though he just predicted the, the end of his kingdom, he, he still treated Daniel that way. Maybe he thought by doing this, he can somehow avoid this, this uh, fate. However, that night, the Chaldean king of Belshazzar, the one who presided over all of this, was killed probably in some sort of coup attempt, after which his father, Nabonides, presumably came back to rule the kingdom until the Medes and the Persians eventually destroyed the kingdom of Babylon. There's so much to learn. This is a very famous chapter, of course, the writing on the wall. Um, thank you so much for studying Daniel 5. Looking forward to studying Daniel 6 and the rest of the book together.